everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Agile Precision BMW iVentures podcast. In every episode, we dive into a conversation with a different technology visionary, many of them in the BMW iVentures portfolio. I'm your host, Sam Wong, principal at BMW iVentures. Today, I am chatting with Kevin Coakley, CEO and co-founder of Selling, a company that is disrupting the automotive wire harness industry through its next-gen flex circuit technology. I've had the pleasure of knowing Kevin for over six years. In fact, his company was the very first company I invested in when I first joined the world of venture capital. Kevin's one of those brilliant technical wizards who I have no doubt will change the future of the automotive industry. Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Hey, Sam. Greetings. Kevin, could you tell a little about yourself to the listeners and what exactly Selling does? Sure, sure. So, uh, you know, kind of uh, in rough order, I'm an engineer and entrepreneur um, and co-founder and now CEO of Cellink. So um, it's been quite a quite a long, long journey. Um, started working on Cellink about 10 years ago um, in my garage. Um, that's that's more than just a stereotype in this case. Um, and um, as time has gone on, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to help grow Cellink into a 60-person uh, company um, now in high-volume production for the automotive industry. So uh, it's, been, it's been quite a journey um, and um, excited to have BMW as a, as a backer helping us uh, take the next step. Cellink is the second company you founded. What was the genesis, the, the reason behind creating a second company, especially one that is trying to disrupt the crazy market of automotive wire harnesses? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Selling got its origins as a, as a concept for a solar panel. And my co-founder, Malcolm Brown, and I, we, we set out to develop a really large flex circuit to uh, rewire the backs of, a, of the Solar, solar module. And in, in doing that, we, we essentially invented a whole new way of making a flex circuit um, and, and with, with properties that, that are quite unique, um, such as a very large area, um, the ability to carry very high current. And, and so um, around 2015, 2016, you know, it kind of dawned on us that automotive was actually a very, very good fit for this, this core technology that we developed. You know, in parallel, the solar industry um, kind of fell under increasing price pressure um, and commoditization. So we, we sort of pivoted at that point and realized that automotive would be the, the way for us to make a viable business. Something that I realized while digging into the diligence when I first made the investment was just around the craziness of the whole wire harness. So the wire harness in the automotive sector, in the car, it's the heaviest component. It's one of the most voluminous components. And there's a lot of major issues with the, the current technology. So from your vantage point, why exactly is something like a flex circuit, what Cellink is producing, so critical to the next generation of electrification, uh, which is the direction that the market is completely heading towards. Yeah, yeah. So you know the the tagline we use is that we're we're creating a sus sustainable electronic architecture for electric and autonomous vehicles. Um, 
you know, the, the shorthand for that is bringing order to the chaos. Um, if you, if you look at how a car is wired today, um, there are thousands of wires in, in a vehicle, um, and, and hundreds of connectors, tape, cloth, um, and everything is kind of assembled, um, piecemeal manually and installed manually into a vehicle. Um, and, and so there are lots and lots of inefficiencies in that process. What, what we're seeking to do is, um, with, with this very large area flex circuit, uh, kind of capability, it's almost analogous to a transition in the, the microchip world that happened 50 years ago, where people started thinking, instead of wiring all of these leads together, let's use a printed circuit board. Um, that's the same mentality that we are, we are bringing to the automotive industry where we can kind of create a structured approach to and a simplified approach to, to wiring a car instead of having everything be kind of cobbled together, which is what's being done today. Could you talk to me a little bit about the experience of building out an actual product that would go into the car? Because as we all know, cell cycles into automotive take, can take six to seven years. It's a huge lengthy process. What was your experience building out selling? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate all of our investors uh, that have been there with us through this, through this ride. It is a, it is a slow ride, especially, you know, compared to um, things like consumer um, there where the cycles can be much faster, but it, but it is a double-edged sword in that if you can get your product into a vehicle, all of the barriers of entry that you had to overcome, you know, are now barriers that someone else has to overcome to displace you. So um, there is a, there is kind of a pot of gold at the end of the, the rainbow, um, so to speak, but the, the time to get there, um, you, you definitely need patient investors and, um, and, uh, and patience within your own team to, to kind of work through some of the challenges. Um, you know, I think if I kind of rewind cell link, I, I look back to, um, six, seven years ago, you know, when I first met you and we were we were solving core technology challenges of how do I even make a very large flex circuit without using kind of the status quo, uh, it's called chemical etch. And, um, you know, from there, um, we had very early traction with our lead customer that we're in, in production with now, uh, starting in 2015, you know, but, um, to kind of prove out, the manufacturing technology, the materials um, to to go through kind of the requirements for automotive quality. You know, I feel like our entire B round of, of venture funding um, went to showing that we could make a part that would work in a car, uh, you know, repeatedly thousands of times. Um, and so, yeah, the, the years have flown by, but um, uh, at the same time, he, here we are today with with our first product in in vehicles, and seeing that this this first customer is kind of racing to adopt us in as many different ways as they possibly can. So th there is that pot of gold. Uh, you just have to you just have to work through the challenges and have have patient investors that are willing to support you during that time. I've seen you guys develop from just trying to build out a, a technology to delivering on customer. And Can you talk a little bit more about the experiences or some customer stories that you could share that are, of course, not under NDA? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think 
I think what's what's so interesting in the automotive world is um, for for a new product or a new technology to succeed, you've got to find the customers and the engineers at those customers that are willing to take the view of what can your product do, not what can't your product do. Um, you know, the, the customers we've had the most success with see this new capability and they immediately start thinking of how can I use that in my favor? You know, whereas the customers that I'd say we've struggled with will say, how does that do exactly what my existing product already does? And, you know, that mentality inevitably leads to a, a box not being checked. And so a project will stop because they say, well, you can't do this one thing. Um, so, you know, a big part of our mentality, um, especially for generating, you know, relatively near-term revenue is to find the customers that, that take more of a positive outlook and, and say, you know, how can I, how can I get, you know, benefits in ways that I would never get with traditional round wire harnessing and maybe sacrifice 10% of what I get um, in other areas, leading to a net that is much, much more positive than what I have today. That's the, that's the mentality that we're looking for. And we've been, you know, we've been lucky to find that. Um, we're, we're in production for our first customer now. Um, by the end of this year, we'll be in production for two more major customers. Um, and so, it's uh, definitely a feeling of being at that inflection point where a, a technology is really starting to take off. Do you see the whole industry moving away from these round wire harnesses to a flex circuit approach? And what, why is that necessary? Yes, uh, so, so we, we do see that happening. Um, I, I would say that it, the, the future vehicle, you know, um, will, will always be a mix of, of round wire and uh, what some people call flat wire or flex circuits. Um, but there are certain areas of the car where um, flex circuits just make a whole lot more sense than, um, than round wire. And the, the reasons are, you know, there's a, there's a few different reasons for that. One is, um, you know, a very simple one, which is weight. You know, flex circuits weigh about one third the weight of round wire harnessing. And so when you have this thing that weighs as much or more than a person in a car and you're trying to make your car more efficient, whether that's a, an electric or gas powered vehicle, you know, taking, taking two thirds of the weight of a person away is a huge deal, huge improvement for, for uh, vehicles today. But um, the, the other thing is that there's a certain type of architecture that's called zone architecture that really attempts to um, redefine the wiring paths in vehicles. It, it's attempting to take what's done today, which is essentially everything being a point-to-point -point wiring system um, with, with you know, some minor ex ex exceptions like CAN busing. Um, and, and replace that with a set of nodes, you know, a network. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's analogous to taking, you know, in colonial America, taking a network of just cobbled together roads and then suddenly realizing that there's a much better way to do this if we build highways and then have those be tied to roads. And so in that sort of architecture, which, you know, people call it a zone architecture, it's actually really lends itself nicely to the use of flex circuits for replacing um, round wire. And, and um, because that, that type of architecture uh, allows for a much more 
sort of systematic approach to wiring where flex circuits can, can fit in nicely. Um, and um, the, other, the other part of that that I think is interesting is the concept of pre-assembly. So um, today, wire harnessing is, is, always, is almost always the, the last leg. You know, it's the, the, the final part of wiring a vehicle and it, and it really stinks actually because you have people that are forced to crawl through cars to, to make all of these connections. What, what flex circuits let you do is the idea of sort of pre-mounting um, your wiring components on different surface of, surfaces of the vehicle. So not only do you get the weight reduction and the, the, the wiring simplification, but you also get this concept of kind of having, having things done in advance so that when you go to your final vehicle assembly step, it's much simpler. Um, so those are the, those are probably the three reasons where we, why we see a, a big transition to flex circuits coming. You're currently building out a factory, which of course, as we all know, is a huge undertaking. What's the process like going from ground zero to let's have a factory operational as a startup? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And there's lots of stories, uh, that, you know, um, I probably can't can't repeat here, but you know, would love to share a beer over sometime. But um, you know, <laughs> the, for that. The, um, <laughs> um, it's it's a um, it is a process. I mean, you know, we went from we went from basically um, relying on job shops to make parts to having a little tiny building in Redwood City, California that could ha hold, you know, maybe five people. It was like a garage. Um, then, you know, to a slightly bigger facility where we, we put our first kind of real manufacturing tool in, you know, installed it. And that was this, uh, you know, kind of proverbial black box that you've heard about. Um, and then finally, you know, uh, we, we had a customer visit in that, in that building and they said, you're going to need a clean room to do all of those steps over on that side of the building. And, um, you know, we quickly realized that that building wasn't, wasn't big enough or configured right, correctly for, for having a clean room. So now we're, you know, in a, a true kind of industrial setting here in San Carlos, California. But, um, you know, it was like kind of a, a very slow and steady process of, of um, having your, your customer explain to you that, you were just falling short in different areas and that you would need to improve to, to win their business. Um, and then, you know, that, that kind of, um, preparedness, you know, was shortly followed by the scramble of, well, how do we actually make this product? You know, how do we do this? How do we go from prototype builds to hundreds of parts, to thousands of parts and do it, with a high yield and, um, and the throughput and the cost that's needed to make a profit, you know? So, um, every step of the way there have been some, some fairly, uh, big scrambles, you know, but, um, luckily we, we had a lead customer that was sort of tolerant of that and maybe even accustomed to that themselves. So, um, you know, that turned out to be a real, uh, important thing for us to be able to, to grow through each phase. About 10 years ago, I would have been very, very hesitant about investing in startups that are trying to sell a part that would go into a car because traditionally automotive OEMs were not very receptive to that. They were 
historically interested in just working with their tier ones or just building out everything internally. So have you seen a shift in how automotives approach working with startups in the last decade or so? I think, you know, the answer to that is yes, especially in, in the vehicle wiring area. You know, I think um, a, a problem that a lot of the, the OEMs have, especially the faster moving ones, is that wire harness products take a, a long time to, to develop and they take a long time to correct if there's a, a need for a change. And so one of the, one of the things that we can do um, that's of, of immense value to to customers that um, you know I say are much more willing to work with us than, than say a traditional car company would be five years ago. We can we can implement design changes instantaneously. Um, our manufacturing technology it's not additive, but it is analogous to additive in that everything is software controlled and design changes and revisions can be made, you know, with a software change, not, not a tooling change. And so that ability to move fast is super value valuable to all of these kind of new entrants into the car world that are trying to operate on development cycles of one to two years instead of five to 10 years. Um, and, and I think as, as the bigger, car companies like BMW move forward into a world of electrification and trying to make fairly rapid changes in architecture. Um, I think that same benefit will, will apply to them and, and hopefully make them eager to work with Cellink directly. Um, now we have some great partners, including Lear, uh, who are uh, there to be a tier one and have us be a tier two when needed. Um, but, at the same time, we are definitely seeing a lot of incoming business from, from OEMs now that, that want us to be the tier one supplier of, of wiring products. It's so hard to be a tier one supplier. And what I think is crazy amazing about selling is that you guys have been able to secure partnerships with tier ones who have historically wanted to do the whole wire harness themselves and then sell it to the OEM. Could you talk a little bit about some of the interesting partnerships that are underway? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, if I if I kind of look back on the history of flex circuits and automotive, there was a there was a time where many of these tier ones attempted this, attempted to go to flex circuit, and it didn't work because of, I guess a couple big reasons. One was the cost was too high, um, and then the other was this issue of um, tooling and not not being able to change a design easily. Um, and so, you know, here we are with this new technology that, you know, we developed for the back of a solar panel um, where the cost pressure is so enormous that we were forced to innovate to a completely new way of making this type of thing. And so, you know, essentially we've saw, solved that cost issue um, and, and we, can, we can now compete head to head with, with round wire on cost. And then the, the second part of that is the, the turnaround time. You know, because our process is toolless, um, we can make design revisions very rapidly. And um, we, we're never putting into an OEM's hands or, or a tier one's hands this question of, you know, do I have to pay for a million dollars in tooling on, on a part that I don't even know if it'll fit? Um, you know, so we, we solve that. And so the tier ones, I think, most of them have a history with flex circuits. And so 
they they see us coming along and they realize that we've solved maybe some of the biggest pain points that were encountered 15 years ago and and so they they are um you know i think as enthusiastic as as you you could expect about about this new way of doing things i, I definitely think there's also inertia, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I won't name anybody, but I do think there is some resistance that you encounter from tier ones about switching, you know, how, how do I, how do I justify doing flex circuits when I've got this mega billion dollar business doing round wire harnessing, but there are partners like, like Lear out there, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of credit John Absmeyer at Lear for, for really having a lot of vision, um, to see that this wave is, is coming and, it's better to try to catch the wave than be, you know, flattened by it. So, um, so we, we do see some great partners in the tier one side of things. Um, and, and we're kind of moving forward under the assumption that in some cases we will be a tier one and in other cases we'll partner with a tier one. You're fresh off your series C raise led by Lear, your tier one partner as well. Where do you see yep. Excelink in the future? What's in store for you guys? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, and if you had asked me that three or four years ago, I would, I would have said that um, we are going to get acquired. Um, and that is, that is the path for selling to get to an exit for our investors. Um, you know, I think at, at this point, it's, it's an open, open book and an open question. You know, I think um, as our business is growing and I see some pretty big years coming down the pipe revenue wise, um, it, it tells me that there is probably a, a good opportunity to go, go public if we want, um, you know, and, and then yet if we found a great partner that wanted to acquire us, I could see that, that um, manifesting as well. So it's a good, you know, it's a good question. And my investors ask me that often. I think um, for me, it's, it's really more of how do we, how do we make Sellink's impact the biggest that it can possibly be? You know, that's, that's the, the thing, you know, for me, having started working on this 10 years ago, um, I mentioned that my kids were born around the same time as Cellink. And, you know, this is kind of like my third kid in a way. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send my, uh, my kid off to the best college possible someday. And, uh, and that, that means that, you know, whatever path we end up on, um, I want, I want Cellink to have as big a, an impact on the world as it possibly can. Kevin, I really wanted to thank you for being on the BMW iVentures Agile Precision podcast. It's been a crazy ride with you these last few years, both in terms of development and also just we're both aging. So that's also been fun. Um, but either way, I, <laughs> I wanted to also thank all of our fellow listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Agile Precision podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at bmwiadventures.com. Thanks all.